0: It's the
1: Criterion, it's the Criterion, 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 Criterion. in, 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 Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Criterion Project. Today, we are talking about the classic musical West Side Story, I am, as always, Conrado Falco, and I am joined by the great Rachel Wagner.
0: Hi, everyone.
1: Hey, Rachel. And we have a very special guest today. We're very happy to welcome um, theater critic and also film critic, host of the Token Theater Friends podcast, José Solís. Hi, José. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing all right. Thank you both for having me. It's, I needed this uh, breath of fresh air. now so thank you
0: we're so glad to have you
1: exactly thank you so much for coming on the podcast Jose Um, before we start we just wanted to acknowledge that um, we are recording this episode at a time when protests are going on all around the country Um, we don't know how things will look like when this episode is released um, but we want our listeners to know that we support anyone who is demanding justice for black lives and an end to police brutality in this country. Um, if you want to support the cause, we will be linking to ways you can help in the show notes. So uh, make sure that you check that out. Um,
0: yes, we both that felt that was really important to uh, let all of you know that we are uh, we are reading for you behind you, and uh, that this has to has to end. And you you know, you couldn't. You couldn't pick two people with more diverse political opinions than Corrado and I, but we both agree on this, that we need to stop this senseless killing of black men in particular uh, by these by police officers. It's not right. It needs to stop.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Black lives matter. Amen. uh, Oh, thanks, Jose. And now, um, how about we shift gears a little bit? This episode will hopefully be a bit like Jose says, a bit of a respite and, you know, to talk about some art, talk about some cool stuff. Um, We usually start episodes talking about what we've been watching in the Criterion channel. Today, we received an email from Criterion saying that they have made uh, a number of movies uh, directed and uh, starring Black, Uh, people and especially African Americans available for free on the channel so you can watch them even if you don't have a subscription and um, two movies that I had watched recently before this episode are actually now available to watch for free so I wanted to talk about them a little bit the first one is um, the documentary Black Panthers uh, which is directed by Agnes Varda who we've done an episode before on this podcast Um, when she was living in LA um, she traveled to Oakland and documented uh, a rally in 1969 in which the Black Panthers were demanding uh, the the release from prison from Huey Newton. And um, it's a 28-minute documentary, so it's pretty short, but it's really, I thought, very invaluable to see, um, you know, these activists in their own words describe the work that they were doing back in the 60s um, was a little... Um, you know, it was a little dispiriting to see how things have not changed that much, but it was also, in my opinion, inspiring to see how so many of their policies and so many of their sentiments are still alive, despite the fact that there was so much effort put into silencing the Black Panthers. Um, And the other one is uh, from the 90s, The Watermelon Woman, which is by Cheryl Dunn. And it is a... um, It's basically a comedy about a director who is a black lesbian director played by Cheryl Dunn who directed and wrote the film as well. And she plays a version of herself who's trying to do a documentary about a old actress who appeared in older Hollywood movies and was a black actress. So she she played the kind of stereotypical mammy roles. And she's trying to figure out about her life and she discovers a lot um, about it as she discovers also her own uh, sense of her sexuality and her profession, and and it's a very interesting movie. Um, it's kind of part mockumentary and part comedy. Um, uh, really funny, really sharp. I recommend it to anyone who who's looking for something a little lighter but still um, relevant.
0: Mm. Yeah, that sounds good. And and I don't know if you said, but some of these films are available uh, for anybody. You don't even need a subscription. Uh, to right now for this short time uh, mm-hmm. Criterion Channel is making them available so that's really cool um, so yeah I didn't get to actually watch anything on Criterion Channel this last week but uh, there are a couple things that I've watched that I thought I'd just mention real quick uh, there are two films starring people of color that are worth I think a watch uh, that are new releases The Lovebirds uh, has just been released on Netflix uh, it had it wasn't perfect, but it had enough laughs that I think it's worth a Netflix watch. The, the two leads, uh, Issa Rae and Camille Manjani, had, I think, nice chemistry, and it had enough good laughs to be worth it. And then The High Note uh, is just been released uh, at home theaters and at, at theaters. Dakota Johnson and uh, Tracy... Uh, ellis um, ross uh she's basically playing her mom tracy ellis ross and uh and dakota johnson is the assistant and it was it was a cute little movie I, that i i think especially anytime you had tracy and dakota together it really worked quite well that I no, it's okay. The last one I want to recommend is *The Vast of Night*. Uh, this pro, this screams criterion all over it. This little movie, uh, made on a micro budget, uh, meant to inspire, be inspired by like 1950s radio radio dramas. Uh, it has a, a lot of of uh, monologuing <laughs> and talking into the radio, figuring out these clues of, of there's this extra extraterrestrial. visit visit, and it's, it's only got like five people in the cast but it's extremely well shot extremely well made uh and very just very interesting and intriguing and different and definitely i think worth worth watching on amazon prime if you have it so that'd be my little recommendations this week
1: great um how about you jose do you have anything you would like to recommend um movies? Yeah, unc- yeah, go ahead, go ahead.
2: Absolutely, yeah. What, what, one of the things that uh, about Criterion like, that I really want to get to sit with and just enjoy is uh, I, I have uh, Pier Paolo Pasolini's The Trilogy of Life. And through all of quarantine, I've been telling myself, you know, sit down and watch them and enjoy them because I love those movies. I grew up watching them. And right now, I wish I had the time to do that. Uh, but I'm, I'm finding it very hard to do. So that's on my to-do list very soon. And of an upcoming theatrical, well, I don't know, what, do, what are we calling them these days? Are they theatrical releases? What, what are they even? Anyway, a new movie that <laughs> yeah. uh, it's debuting in some form is uh, The Surrogate by uh, director Jeremy Hirsch, because it was supposed to be at South by Southwest. And now it's uh, coming to, I don't know, like streaming platforms and all that stuff on June 12th. And it's one of my favorite movies that I've seen in years, so. Uh, yeah that would be like my my big recommendation i love the surrogate so much
1: Mm. cool great okay so lots of recommendations there um and now why don't we move on to talk about our main event of the episode west side story from 1961 uh, based on the hit broadway play directed by robert wise and jerome robbins and uh help me out here music by leonard bernstein uh a big, uh, you know, big names of musical theater. Um, Jose, um, I wanted you to be in this episode because I've heard you talk about West Side Story in the past and how much you like it. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your story with the show, with the movie?
2: And you're not tired of me talking about it? I talk about it a lot.
0: (laughs) I'm definitely not tired. I want (laughs) to hear.
2: So West Side Story is flat out, you know, like for starters, my absolute favorite musical of all time. I love the music. I grew up a household where it was almost like out of like Almodovar movie where I was a little boy surrounded by a lot of like super old women like my grandma and her sister and their cousins and they talked all day long about all these movies and they show them to me and you know I was definitely not very cool with the kids at school because they would be like playing video games and all that stuff and I would be home like watching Casablanca and West Side Story so my, my, my personal history with, with West Side Story is that it it's it just I, this is like this sounds like super corny, but the song somewhere is almost the way I feel about the movie itself, like it transports me to this really magical place, where even if it's you know horrible and it's violence and it's Romeo and Juliet, and it was like killing each other. But the movie makes me so happy because it reminds me of that of growing up and learning how to fall in love with the classic movies and you know uh for instance the uh Rita moreno um character actually shares a name with my late grandma who I adored very much I used to call her Anita actually I mean her name's Anna but I used to call her Anita so you know it's it's all these things that make me feel like I'm visiting with my family with all these incredible women who are all uh, gone by now so the older I get the more uh, oh god I feel like my voice is breaking sorry <laughs> the older I get the more. Um, the movie just like takes me somewhere else. And the more I appreciate it for its beauty and for the problems it has also that I didn't mm-hmm. see when I was uh, younger. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those like things that if I had to uh, go to like a desert island, I would take uh, West Side Story with me and a TV and a Blu-ray player, I hope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, great. That was lovely, Jose. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah. uh, how about you, Rachel?
0: yeah i have very a very fond fun feeling towards this musical as well i'm a i' what am i saying i'm an easy 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 sell when it comes to musicals I love musicals um but uh, this one was one of the first musicals as far as a play that I really remember seeing um when I was in second or third grade I was taking a dance class and one of my teachers was playing uh, anybody's in the the um uh the production and so she invited all of us and we went and saw it and i just remember just being blown away and so it's one of my earliest memories of of uh, theater is with west side story and i it it, this can sound stupid but i have to say it's one of those movies that i i never really occurred to me that people disliked it I was just like oh yeah everyone likes that right right oh oh okay and then I was looking (laughs) I was like and uh I I sent uh, an article on Roger Ebert uh that Roger Ebert wrote about it and he was pretty dismissive about it and talked about some of the other criticisms and I was like oh okay I mean I see the points uh but no I really really like it I mean it's one of the most uh probably the most ballet influenced, I think, uh, musicals, uh, to, to, um, be, you know, mainstream musical. It's very, very heavily influenced by dance and, uh, I appreciate that. And I don't know, I think it's, I think it's really moving the message. And, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. What about you, Conrado? What do you think?
1: Um, I had seen this movie once when I was uh, young, and I have never seen it on stage. And this was my first time really seeing it. I would say for the first time really seeing it because you know I was a kid when I saw it for the first time. So I was, um, um uh, yeah, I kind of like you, Rachel, I had heard so much about it. I had obviously heard Jose talk about it and, and rave about it. And, and I also had uh, seen some stuff about people criticizing some of its you know some of the things that maybe seemed progressive at the time but haven't aged as well and and that sort of thing so it was a very interesting watch for me I thought that um, on the level of uh, the music and the filmmaking like you say the dancing I thought was extraordinary and also I thought that the directors do a really great job of Um, kind of using the camera as well to highlight the dancing, like especially in the the opening sequence. I don't know if you guys will agree with me, but you know, when they're like snapping their fingers and then like they're kind of running around the city and and then the camera kind of like moves and reveals that the sharks are there or like the jets are there. And I thought that was all very dynamic and very, very exciting. Um,
0: I also think that the dubbing in this movie is flawless I, I mean marnie nixon is just she was incredible i how she was able to get her voice to sound so much like natalie woods i think at least is just incredible I mean, she was just the best to ever i mean do you think she's the same person who's in deborah carr in king and i and um and uh Audrey Hepburn, My Fair Lady. I mean, to me at least, that sounds like such different performances, and yet she was able to make it um, work. And almost every role was dubbed, at least some, in this uh, in this movie. And I think for the better. I think it sounds so good. And uh, uh, they did a. If 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 people hadn't told me, I wouldn't know.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um. I think the the dubbing in uh, My Fair Lady, for example, I feel like it's not. You can I can kind of notice it that it's not Audrey Hepburn really singing, but here yeah. it's really, um, it's really impressive. Exactly. Um, uh, how about you, Jose? Why don't you tell us some of the some of the elements that you that you love about this um, movie?
2: Um. I do love the dubbing, actually, and I think this is one of the perfect examples of why Hollywood should stick to dubbing. Like we don't need to hear. Like Russell Crowe and Brian Goslick singing. Like exactly. just stop them. Yeah. Like we it's don't go to the movies for realism.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: And I mean, if you want something to sound great, just hire someone who yeah. who, who sings great. Uh, but I, I love the colors of the movie, like the uh, you know, those bright reds and and the yellows and like the Anita's purple dress. And also one of my favorite things about about it is like once that I moved to New York I was feeling like I was in my side story. So I'm like sometimes I'm doing that scene, Conrado, from the beginning I'll be like snapping, especially now if I go out <laughs> in quarantine. There's so the street, so I do like my jumps and my, very poorly obviously, but I do my jumps and I do all of that. And I, I I, think that's one of the elements also that I love so much about this movie, that it's, you know, it's really ridiculous, like if you really think about it, to think that these two like, you know, like they're snapping and dancing, uh, gangs are actually so violent. and. And I think that the movie, uh, because of this, really challenges like the idea of masculinity that we have. And probably that's one of the movies you know that has more violence that I like the most because it's very uh, still violence, but it's not you know this like tough, horrible you know like guts out like bloody violence. It's almost ridiculous in a way, which reminds me so much about how performative masculinity is that you could be like you know like do something so beautiful as you're dancing but also take someone else's life.
1: Hm. Hmm. That's that's very interesting. That's a really um yeah, cuz I was wondering about about the you know, the kind of like trying to convey all the violence that is really going on. Um and I think you you really touched on something interesting of how all this violence that we see in real life is also performative and how portraying it in such a balletic way kind of highlights that. That's very cool. Um Um, Should we talk about some of the some of the the stuff that maybe doesn't hold up as well? Do we have anything? I mean, obviously there is some, you know, George Shakiris and Natalie Wood are not Puerto Ricans and they are kind of like, been made up to um, have browner skin than they usually do. I think even Rita Moreno has some makeup on to make Mm -hmm. herself look darker. I think I remember hearing her talk about that.
0: well, and some um, things I was reading actually that I guess people were pretty critical of uh, Richard, Be- Richard Beamer, uh, um, his performance, and uh, I was I was reading, and he was actually also very self-critical of his performance. He said they said that he was miserable in West Side Story. I didn't know enough at the time because I lacked certain knowledge in acting. I came out ridiculous. I didn't stand up for what I should have. And I didn't know enough. The blame should be on me. And I was kind of shocked to read that. Cause I mean, I guess I can see, but I didn't, I didn't think it was anything to be embarrassed about. I thought it was perfectly serviceable, uh, leading man performance. I mean, you have to play that. you know, you fall in love basically in one in instantly, uh, which is always a little bit hard uh, to do. Uh, but I didn't think he was awful, <laughs> but I thought it was interesting that you said that.
1: Hmm. Uh, in my opinion, the the performances kind of vary on levels in the movie. I feel like there may be, even though I think the dancing and the singing is pretty stellar all around, I think like the, the acting maybe varies from person to person. For me, the standard is uh, Rita Moreno. I think she does incredible um, in her musical numbers and also the scene near the end when she comes to the, kind of like the soda fountain and she's confronted with all the jets. I think she, I think that's a very powerful moment and she really knocks it out of the park there. Um, do you have any favorites, Jose?
2: Yeah, I was gonna say that I love Rita Moreno and I said, Sorry, so much that I even forgive her for taking, you know, not taking, but you know, like Judy Garland was nominated for the Oscar that year with her. And I'm like, you know what, Grace Kelly? No. But Rita, sure, sure, take take the Oscar, <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, I, I love her. She's fantastic. And the kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, the kind of, uh, she like lights up that movie when she's in it. Like the movie kind of feels like, you know, we want more Anita. And she does so much with so little. And I mean, she's like dancing and all of that. Um, and, and, and moving and like, also like acting beautifully, like the, you know, the, the, the scene near the end in docks, uh, at docks where she's, uh, you know, where the, where the gang tries to rape her, her work in that is, you know, is one of the few moments in the film that I want to look away because of the way that she's conveying that pain, it's almost unbearable and that she can like navigate with those emotions so effortlessly and so beautifully. She's, yeah, she's absolutely spectacular. And I saw her uh, doing a talk uh, a couple of years ago. And it's so funny to me because she says that Jerome Robbins was a nightmare. And she never could understand why he was so mean to her until one day he just blurted, because you're not Cheetah, because Cheetah Rivera had played it uh, on stage. And she said that for her obviously she was never going to be chita rivera right but she brings something else to the movie and i'm you know i'm not happy that jerome was such a jerk but i, I think that that you know that need of her of hers uh, to to excel is so palpable in the movie and it makes me think a lot about the way in which women of color especially in that era you know when she was one of the few who was working often have to do so much more and work harder so I admire the performance I love the performance but I admire her so much for putting through uh you know for putting up with all that crap to still give us something that we love and something that's so gorgeous yeah
0: definitely for sure Uh I yeah there's a couple scenes that stood out for me maybe it's just because of the moment but when the scene in in the um soda parlor where I, uh, where the, the, uh, lieutenant or detective, whatever says, uh, says, cause I'm the one that's got a badge. And then you see the, the sharks going out of going out, whistling my country tis of thee. So that was a pretty good moment. Um, yeah. and then also after the, uh, the brawl when babe, baby John is crying and, uh, uh, I forget which one finds him but you know he says, did you did you get a look at their faces?" And uh, I thought that was a pretty powerful scene as well. And uh, yeah I mean and I love the music. I think it's beautiful. I mean somewhere is one of my favorite probably I think it's actually a beautiful song uh, and so anytime they're mm-hmm. singing it's good. Uh, I also like at the dance the way it uh, goes to sort of black and you just see some small lights and it's just them too. Everything fades away. Um, I, I like that whole scene as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that scene in the soda parlor, I, I, I that really surprised me. I was, uh, I mean, I'm not an expert on like, you know, what was mainstream acceptable in the early 60s, late 50s, uh, but I was surprised to see the movie, Kind of acknowledged that the police had this sort of preference for the jets over the sharks in certain ways, you know, sending them out of the soda parlor and the and the police officer kind of talking with the white gang members, but not really, um, right. but just like dismissing the the Puerto Rican ones. And also the song "America," which is obviously a very very popular song that I've heard before, but I had never really truly listened to the lyrics, and I was surprised that in a, a mainstream movie from that time, you had all these lyrics about like, you know, everything's great in America, if you're just white in America and all that stuff, which I was really like, oh, wow, there's like, yeah, there really is something going on here, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. despite everything that I might feel like it's a little soft for my particular views and contemporary views as well. Um, so yeah. on Sondheim, um,
0: those lyrics.
1: A, yeah, you did a great job with those lyrics. Um, Anything you guys want to mention before we move on to our questions? Or should we?
0: Well, I did read that they were going to cast Elvis originally. Can you imagine Elvis Presley playing Tony? Oh
1: my god. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been something, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right, so let's move on to our first question. Uh, What do we think makes this a Criterion movie? You know, a movie that has been Kind of stamped with the seal of approval of like being an important film um who wants to start
0: well i think it won best picture it, it won a uh, you know won 10 oscars i mean that alone i feel like kind of gives it a certain degree of prestige uh it uh, is, was revolutionary as far as the dance uh it's uh i mean it was a beloved film so i think it it uh it was it's on the National Film Registry, so that you know that also uh, gives it a certain degree of panache. I would say. Mm-hmm. Jose, how about you?
2: Because I want someone to do like a really pretty like cover art
1: for it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, I, That's I always mean, important. I, yeah, I love that poster so much. You know, it's such an iconic uh, image, right? With the red and just like the the the, the silhouette. Of the uh, fire escape and the two figures, but I would love to see what someone I don't know does with it uh, and expands on that. You know, like I love, I would love to see someone challenge uh, the images that we associate with the movie. And I think you know, someone at Criterion would totally do that. So that's one of the reasons. And the other reason is that I don't, you know, as much as I love this movie, I don't know a lot about how it was made you know i don't i i've seen like interviews about other things where people talk about it and usually the uh documentaries that they have on you know the the regular uh, studio um editions of the home releases they're kind of lame because they always feel like very corporate so i would love to see someone do this like you know amazing essay uh with interviews on it and and explore like the yeah the you know what you were mentioning earlier conado like the race issues and Mm-hmm. how the things that are not okay for us now were extremely, probably, revolutionary back then. So I would love just to have more context about how the movie was made.
0: Why, especially mm-hmm. once I read that, what Richard Wehmer said, I when I kind of want to know more about behind the scenes, because that was so surprising to me.
1: hmm Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I agree with both of you that uh, yes, definitely an important movie Um, also an important musical on stage and uh, at a time when a lot of I feel like a lot of stage musicals were being turned into movies in the 50s and 60s and a lot of them I think didn't translate very well in my opinion. I don't really like the film version of My Fair Lady for example I feel like it's so long and kind of drags but this West Side Story I think it's one of the better ones. Um, it's still two and a half hours long, but it really moves. It's really exciting. It has a lot of energy. Um, so yeah, so I think it's really representative of, of maybe a kind of movie that is not so, uh, you know, chic with the, with the like criterion crowd who prefers like more artsy movies. But I think this is like a mainstream movie representative of a time and actually
0: being really great at it. They also switched uh, cool and Officer Krupke switched swapped their spots, which I think was really smart. If they'd had during that uh, tense post Rumble, uh, if there'd been that silly song, it would have been so tonally off. Uh, but to have the cool song fits way better.
1: Um, our next question is the, crit- the not the criterion. Sorry, the pretentious scale in which we rank where a movie fits in a scale from one to 10, how pretentious it is. You know, how like artsy-fartsy for lack of a better word so that the people can get a sense of the kinds of stuff that are included in Criterion, you know? So what do do you guys think um, for West Side Story?
0: I don't think it's very pretentious. I think it's pretty approachable. I think that there are a couple things that maybe make it a little, a little pretentious. The intermission, like that, makes it seem and the the, uh, the long um, prologue, the overture, you know, yeah. That and uh, and and some people are just flat out kind of turned off by dance. Some people just find that alone pretentious. Um, but overall, I don't think it's that pretentious. I, I give it a five.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Jose?
2: So this is like a very uh, complicated question for me to ask for me to answer. Cause uh, you know, there's like a a lot of people who think that every single musical is pretentious for stars. you know, why they're singing and why are they dancing? And all that. So I uh, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to be I'm trying to, you know, like fit within the the, the range that you gave me for this. So I'm gonna go with the three. No, actually you know what? I'm gonna I'm not, I'm also gonna go with a vibe, but for something different. And it's the fact that um, it is almost, the movie has almost expressionistic elements at times that other musicals that were transferred from Broadway to the screen don't have. And this one uh, does a lot with color and does really incredible things with the editing that separate it from something like My Fair Lady. That's very, you know, very straightforward and beautiful and this movie is beautiful, but just their use of color and, you know, those, you know, it starts with this big, the uh, overture starts with this big red screen, right? And ha- have either of you watched the movie uh, on a
1: big screen? No, I, I, I would love to, but I haven't. I
0: don't think I have. I don't, I don't think so, I have.
1: Yeah, so it
2: was only after I after I watched it on a big screen that I was like, holy crap. Because, you know, like having a giant screen mm-hmm. all in red kind of is foreshadowing for the entire movie because it looks like the screen was bleeding. So I love what it does with color. So yeah, I'm going to give it five four pretentious points for color.
1: <laughs> all right. I think, I think we're all in agreement. I was also going to go with something around five um, for the reasons you guys are talking about. And I, and I also think that the... Um, For Hollywood, the idea of having like a musical that has something to say socially relevant, I think always feels a little pretentious, you know, like, I think people mostly associate musicals with, you know, like, it's all fun and funny and it's comedy. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, but this, um, you know, this definitely was trying to say something more. Um, Yeah. So yeah. And, uh, well, Well, now we have arrived at our last segment, which usually is we pitch remakes of the movie that we've seen, but there's already a remake in the works for this movie, um, directed by Steven Spielberg, supposedly going to be released later this year. We will see how that goes, but um, why don't we talk a little bit about what we're expecting uh, from the remake or what we hope that the remake will do now that we've seen the the original, um,
0: yeah. My my greatest excitement for this movie comes in the casting of Rachel Ze- Rachel Zegler uh, as the new Maria. Uh, she is just an incredible singer. Uh, her voice is so beautiful. I I don't know whether she's a good actress or not. So that's we're gonna have to see. But if you just look at her YouTube channel. be blown away she's in my opinion she's just a tremendous singer and so that'll be really nice i feel like it's we don't often get the musical with because they don't do dubbing anymore so it's like you end up going to a musical and you kind of have to put up with terrible singing uh but in this one i'm thinking that the singing is gonna be really good and uh so that's my my greatest excitement is to see her
1: Mm -hmm. um Jose.
2: So I I am very, you know, I'm not excited about this remake at all cuz I as much as I love, you know, the the people they cast, especially uh, the the actress going to play Anita, Ariana Debose, she's incredible on stage. So, so I'm happy that she's going to get such a big platform, but Steven Spielberg is such like the wrong filmmaker to be doing a remake of this cuz I mean, I don't think personally he, you know he's like he's a really good filmmaker right but he doesn't have the you know a remake of this story right now would need some grit and some edge and i feel like steven spielberg is going to be like too nostalgic like you know i don't like for instance how drained of color all the shots that i've seen look it looks like a beige movie like it's very muted and i would have loved to see someone like oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say like Sparnoe or someone crazy like that. But, you know, like I would love to see someone like like Terrence Davis even take on mm. the movie because he loves musicals and he loves history and he does have an edge. And I feel like Steven Spielberg's just going to give us like a throwback. Uh, and in that case, we should just watch the original movie. So mm. I don't know. I'm a little, I hope to be very wrong, uh, but I don't know because I, you know, I don't think there's a single Steven Spielberg movie where I like the ending of, because he's always like trying to wrap everything with like beautiful little bows. Even the tragedies, you know, even when he does like something like super dark, he always ends it with this on this like super corny note to send people home crying. And I don't want that from my side story.
1: <laughs> Interesting. I think we're maybe in somewhat similar um, position, Jose. I think I am a big uh, Steven Spielberg fan. Um, but I think lately he's been kind of hit and miss. I think the movies of his lately that I've enjoyed are kind of like the more, like you said, the more subdued, more like, kind of like muted dramas, like a bridge of spies or a Lincoln, that sort of thing. And he's tried some stuff like to, he's tried kind of to recapture like his younger self with stuff like ready player one and the BFG and that sort of thing. Even war horse that I feel like doesn't really work for me. So I'm, I'm, I am hopeful that'll be good, but I'm also a little wary. And, and I'm curious also to see what he'll do, if he'll do anything different. Because like you say, those uh, images that they released, they all look very muted, very much like his other movies. And I, and I hope it's kind of like, you know, when Mad Max Fury Road first released the first images, they also looked kind of muted, but then the movie was so colorful. So I'm kind of ex- um, hoping for something like that. I'm not expecting it because, you know, um, yeah i'll have to see it to believe it but um i'm kind of hoping that secretly the movie will be as colorful as i want yeah. it to be
0: he definitely has been hit and miss i was not a fan of bridge of spies i can't go with you there but um but yeah i mean I'm trying to think of the last Spiel- Spielberg movie that i loved mm. i don't Do you know like Tintin? I, can- oh, I love Tintin. yeah uh, there's got to be one sooner than that but but uh but yeah i mean uh, he, it, it is kind of a weird choice. And I was frankly a little surprised because I remember an interview with him uh, a while back where he said the one movie that he regretted making was uh, The Color Purple. And not because he didn't like the movie, but because he felt like a, an African-American director should have made it. Um, and so I was, I, I was a little surprised when I heard about this because it seems like this would be a really great opportunity for... Uh, a person of color to you know to make this film um, but you know there it is uh, mm-hmm. I, I I'm i most excited for the singing and the music uh, and it, it'll be interesting to see how they modernize it how they can make it more contemporary uh, mm-hmm. what they do uh, I, I, I haven't heard Ansel uh, Elgort sing but hopefully he's a good singer mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> he has, um. he also has
0: like, I think he has like
1: an album or something. Oh, does he? I think he tried a, a recording career at some point. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, but speaking of modernizing, maybe um, this is a good time to ask you, Jose, because you've seen multiple productions of this on stage. So you have a better sense than we do of what people have been doing to try to keep the material relevant and modernize it. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about um, I guess your favorite uh, productions that you've seen or something that you think it's interesting about what they've done?
2: This question is like catnip. I love you, Conrado. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's interesting because this, you know, before the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and all that, I thought that this was going to be the year where it was going to be like the West Side Story year, right? Because there was a Broadway production that opened in early March or late February that was directed by Ivo Van and he is always like extremely polarizing and controversial because of the way in which he uses um, video elements on stage. And I was ready to be angry at this production when I would see it. Cause I was like hearing so much about, you know, first of all, I was like, why is a white European guy directing this on Broadway right now? Right. And then I was so pleasantly surprised and almost shocked, I would say at what he did with the with the production, because he totally modernized it in a way that, you know, uh, the the gangs in the movie, for instance, they're like almost like color coded, right? Like the jets were certain colors and the sharks were certain colors. And in this production, he had almost the entire cast who, by the way, they were not separated between, uh, I was gonna say like white actors and like, uh, you know, brown skin actors or Natalie Wood and like brown face. Instead, he did like this, like multiracial cast with the two. And so when you go to that and you're like, wait a second, like, you're expecting to see like brown people on one side and then like white people on the other side. It is so disorienting. And I love that because it reminded me of how much more uh, nuance there is to race than just saying, you know. White versus black, white versus brown, etc. So when we have, you know, moments where the uh, some of the jets, for instance, are black men, and you're like, "Holy crap!" and it, it brings up so many things about, uh, you know, colorism and the ways in which people of color even use racism to oppress each other. It's like one of my, you know, one of my uh, uh, sorry, I I, I got mixed up. Uh, one of the things that it made me think about a lot was in the ways in which racism is a distraction. Because when you see on stage all these people, and you're just trying to figure out who is on whose team, I feel that that's a moment where the director wanted the audience to say, yeah, like, wait a second, like, if they all are all kinds of people, you know, what are we doing? Anyway, and he, you know, even my also used elements of um, Black Lives Matter. He did things on, he mentioned things about like immigration. It was like a very complex, very challenging production. And I appreciate it so much. And I actually even don't know why I'm talking about it so much because that's not my favorite production of it. So sorry, but uh, <laughs> my favorite production was, uh, excuse me. <clears throat> My favorite production of all time was in 2016 when Carnegie Hall was celebrating some sort of like huge anniversary, right, of some sort. I think it was like either like a Robbins or a Bernstein, or it could have even just been like a Carnegie Hall anniversary itself. So they did something called the Somewhere Project that went on for almost a year, I think, where they engaged the Carnegie Hall uh, Education Department with the New York City Education Department to use, West Side Story, and somewhere specifically, to educate students on arts and music and all of that. And it was a celebration of both the institution and the artist, but also of New York City. So that uh, celebration culminated with uh, three performances, I believe, at a place uh, in Richwood called the uh, Knockout Center. Uh, I had never been there before. It used to be an old uh, door factory. I never thought that, you know, like, there were factories for that but anyway so it's just like giant 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 like empty space and they used uh non-professional actors you know we also got a new maria at that time and it was a completely bare bones production where it was there were no sets like all they had was a sort of, you know like a big like platform and people sat around it so this uh okay my water, my 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 Voice is going to break when I talk about this part. So, anyway, so they, uh, <laughs> they uh, used a lot of the students that they had been working with. And I believe it was like well over 100 uh, or almost like 200 students who, in the, uh, I don't know if you know this, that in the, 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 the musical when it's not on stage, it's someone else sometimes that sings somewhere. It's not Tony and Maria. Oh. Um, So when the time came for Somewhere to be performed, you know, we had been seeing uh, everything else go on as normal. But when they sang Somewhere, uh, all this like 200 kids, dressed in white, I think, I I don't remember, uh, holding candles came out. And there there were almost as much kids singing the song as there were people in the audience. And that song is so powerful that that, I think, is one of the most, incredible experiences that i've ever had seeing live performance like i was you know i was a mess like i couldn't even move Uh. after that happened and unfortunately you know the production never moved anywhere else like no one else like i don't think it was recorded or taped or anything so it was it's one of those things that i know i'm going to remember until the day that i die like i would not be surprised if that somewhere is like the last thing i think about before i die
1: Wow. That's
0: so cool. That's powerful.
1: That sounds very beautiful and very yeah. powerful. Wow. I think that's a great way to close this episode. Thank you so much, Jose, for coming on the show. Yes. Thank it's you so much.
2: Such a treat. Thank you both so much. Like I, it, this was like a spa for my heart. Oh, thank God. You oh, thank you.
1: Um, wow. Have to be so, back on for sure. Definitely. Um, Rachel, what are we
0: doing next episode? Yes, so uh, in our little HBO uh, little uh, bonus that we did, I mentioned that I mentioned Watership Down, uh, that I would love to 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 review the uh, the violent bunny movie, (laughs) and uh, and uh, then I look on the Criterion Channel and it's been added, so it's in the Saturday matinee section. And uh so more more kids can be uh <laughs> can be upset by it. Uh, and it's gonna be really fun. We're going to have Griffin from FilmSpeak, he's gonna come on and we're gonna talk about it. And it's a a, a very uh unusual, strange, uh influential animated film. So it's right up my alley.
1: Great. That sounds like it's gonna be a good conversation. Um, all right. So before we go, Jose, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet and all that stuff?
2: I would be happy to. Sure. Thank you, Conrado. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jose Solis Mayen. And uh, you can also find me on uh, Jose at token theater friends. At, uh, sorry, Jose at token theater friends.com. I still don't get used to the fact that I have a .com now after my, on my site. Anyway. Yeah. And also <laughs> like you can, uh, you can read me in a bunch of places and, uh, you can go see my web series and uh, podcast uh, that I do with my friend and colleague, Deep Tran, called Token Theater Friends at tokentheaterfriends.com. Thank you both so much for, for letting me be a part of this.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to say Token Theater Friends is a great podcast. Everyone um, should listen to it. Very exciting about uh, theater in new york and in america um so yes definitely rachel where can people find you on the internet
0: you can find me at rachel's reviews all over social media itunes youtube and on rotten tomatoes so check that out and also you can find me at the whole Marquees podcast
1: great and you can find me on twitter at coco hits new york and we will have all this information about contacts about how to help the protests and all that stuff on the show notes so um, please check that out
0: Yes, and follow us at Criterion Pod on Twitter. We'd love to have your thoughts.
1: All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thank you, Jose, again. And thanks, Rachel. And we'll see you guys next time. Okay, bye, everyone. Be safe.
2: Thank you. You as well. Take care.
1: Bye.